0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 69 of the Ecomosaurus podcast. This episode, we're going to be recapping the top e-commerce stories of December 2023. Hopefully the most important stories, but at least the ones that we talk about the most as a team and had the most conversations on. Um, on this podcast, I have Parker Harrington, a team member of mine at 50 Mom Boson. Hey, Parker, how are you doing today, Parker?
1: Things are good. Things are good. Ready to get into this one.
0: Great. And we have Shelby Kramer. Producing the podcast over here. Trying to hope we don't call Hunter to talk very often, but producing the podcast. How are you doing, Shelby?
1: Oh, doing well. Could complain, not going to complain.
0: <laughs> my name is Tim McDougall. Uh, and we all work at 50 Pound Boson, which is the sponsor of this podcast. 50 Pound Boson is an e-commerce marketing agency. And at 50 Pound Boson, we aim to help small to medium-sized brand owners who are working to grow their e-commerce sales channels. A few programming notes before we get into December uh, December recap that episodes typically come out Monday or Tuesday. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy our content want more of it, subscribe or please give us a, a rating and, uh, you know, upload our show. We'd appreciate it. Uh, everything helps us get more listeners with this. And if you haven't checked out our most recent podcasts, last week in episode 68, we had our whole team on, Uh, And a little bit of chaos just as we talked about what we learned in 2023. And so we managed to have a seven-person podcast on that. And the prior week, we had both of our uh, media buyers talk through the new AI tools that you can find, the free ones that you can get within Meta, Google, uh, and uh, Amazon. And what they really do at this point, they tried to cut through the hype, what they're good at right now, what's coming Um, just as a help to uh, everybody out there trying to use those tools to scale their business. But let's dig in now with the top e-commerce stories from 2023. And our theme as we were pulling these together, um, December wasn't about, Christmas wasn't the big theme. It was crimes. There was a lot of bad behavior in e-commerce world in December that became hot news stories. And so I don't know, Parker, what is it? Is it Christmas time is crime time? What's the theme of this? What, are we, what, <laughs> what did what did Chat GPT say, Shelby? No results so far, but I'm gonna keep digging. Chat so GPT is failing to come up with a clever headline for this, but
1: I kind of like in, instead of prime time because Q4 is where we kind of key in, you know, for e-commerce here. I like crime time.
0: Okay, so December was crime time. That's that's what it was in here. So did all of start. our have,
1: crime committers get coal?
0: I think they all should have gotten coal in their stocking. So we have a lot of, we have a lot of coal going out to the e-commerce community or certain people in it. Um, so let's Far talk, enough. we have four or five different big crime things. So the first one we'll, we'll tee off with the ones that are a little more innocent or maybe not that innocent, but this is um, we had the EU. So ministers, parliament members of the European parliament uh, were uh, upset because it became clear that uh, Google's ads don't, really discriminate which products go on which sites and the examples they were pulling up were uh, we had a report last week we talked about how um you know google especially with performance max is just trying to find you the best outcome possible and and there was a survey from or a report from analytics that talked about hey your ad can appear on places you don't want like far right-wing sites or terror sites or porn sites right and uh their example was M's ads appearing on on adult sites, um, that was their example of, "Hey, your your ads may be appearing in places you don't want them to appear, and it's performance max just doing its thing." But it's pretty hard to regulate. Well, the flip side of that was, and this kind of the follow up came from the European Parliament, uh, where ads for adult products, or in this case, vodka was one. Abstract vodka was the one they were talking about was appearing on kids sites, and it was all the automation doing it. It was the AI behind the ads doing it, and uh, the quote that we keyed in on was, uh, and this is from Paul Tang, who is part of the EU parliament. It's the first time in history we face the unsettling reality of AI committing crimes. Basically, some, they want to, they want to throw somebody in jail, but they don't know what to do. Right. How much should we be re- worried about this, Parker?
1: <laughs> Overall, I'm not too worried. You got me thinking through of them trying to put like a Sam Altman or trying to put G- chat GPT in a box. And it's like, that's not going to happen. And then the ads as a whole to target them on the kids' sites. I mean, that may have been like their parents were searching into it, or there was reason for the algorithm to believe that the ad deserved to be hit in that household. So I'm kind of just thinking those things. Well, I think
0: there certainly were, right? There was certainly a reason the algorithm put it there, but in the EU, especially, which is much more restrictive on ads than the US, like this is headline big news that that there's not safeguards on this. I think the the other question that came through on this was, well, who gets, if they decide that somebody needs to be punished for this? And in the EU, the way they're reacting to digital ads and privacy issues, they're going to want to punish somebody. Do they go after Google? Do they go after the advertiser? That was the chill being sent through was, oh man, if I advertise a certain kind of product and it gets on the wrong site, am I as the brand owner now in trouble?
1: Right. I'm, I'm surprised those got sent through because we know if we were the ones working on it as the advertiser, we would have got punished.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we we will we will see on these but um yeah, more to come on that one because I think uh, from an EU standpoint they've shown they don't really back off of these issues once they get on them. Um and you know, they're the ones that are requiring uh Meta, Facebook and Instagram to have a paid version that has no ads on it, right? So that's a that's an EU requirement and they've actually launched that in the EU.
1: Right. It's been helping us with a few things over here in the US. Uh yeah. But Overall, uh, as far as the ones that we're going to get into today, this one, for sure, you teed it up, right? A little more innocent.
0: A little more innocent. Let's get in one that's not as innocent, right? And this is a favorite uh, target of ours to talk about. It's Amazon gurus who can't really back up their guru status, maybe. Um, but especially ones that act as, uh, that do all the total cliche stuff. So this is wealth assistance. Which is a company we I got cold emails from Wealth Assistance. Like I got approached by them, and many many others uh, listening out there may have as well. But Wealth Assistance deal uh, was that hey, you know, if you invest with us, give us, and it's at least thirty five thousand dollars to start, and sometimes going up to one hundred fifty thousand dollars or more. But if you invest with us, we will find Amazon products for you. We will build an Amazon store for you. We will build out your listings. We will optimize the ad. We'll do all this, and by the end of the year. You will have broken even on your store and be on the path to making a lot of passive money. And uh, if you don't, if you're not making a profit at the end of the first year, we'll give you all your money back. That was their promise. So a lot of people bought into this, right? A lot of people, uh, there's wealth assistance they are based out of California. A lot of people bought into this, and a lot of people paid them money, and there's all kinds of stories. And the article that was out there was an article that really talked about um how some people were like mortgaging their house or getting a second mortgage so they could afford to put $150,000 into wealth assistance um, to build their Amazon store up. And then there's reports of, well, the product was never ordered. The product was never ordered. They never made a profit. They were losing money every month. They were asked to put in more money. Um, A lot of them also said, and this is where the, uh, maybe some schadenfreude on on our part of like, you know, um, it's Fun to see the downfall of these kind of gurus. Sometimes, uh, maybe I sh- Maybe that's bad to admit that I enjoy seeing them fall, but I do. Um, Ryan Carroll, who was the 27-year-old CEO that posted, did all the cliche things you could do. So lots of TikToks of him buying his Lambo with all of his earnings from wealth assistance. He's the founder. Um, he's the CEO. So all the things were going so great, and people cited this same. Well, we were convinced that we could make money on this. This was real because man, the founders are like buying a Lambo and. He's doing TikToks of his private jet flying around to Europe and doing all these great vacation things and everything else. Um, It all came crashing down in December. um, December 1, they announced they were shutting down and laid off all their staff. They had 75 people working at Wealth Assistance, laid off a bunch of people. Everybody who had money in it's lost their money. They're not getting their money back for their stores that aren't making money at this point. Parker, what's your take on Ryan Carroll? Lambo buying. Apparently, my take is he wasn't aware of all the people who make fun of Amazon gurus buying Lamborghinis <laughs> because he went and declared himself an Amazon guru and then bought a Lamborghini. About the most cliche thing you can do.
1: So I've got a few things here. One classic, the exact gurus, the reason why we're doing this podcast, the reason why we exist is just to go about it the right way. And my second thing is I Googled his name and he's done such a good job with his SEO. This came out a month ago. It's only positive things out there for him. I can't like none of the negative ones are showing up in the search results at the top. And I think he deserves some more coal than that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his his Google results don't have a lot of coal in them, right? It's a lot of positive still hyping him up. Um, the story the the story that got our attention appeared in Business Insider. That's the one that got our attention on it, um, which is. Unfortunately, locked behind a paywall, right? So not everybody reads that one. And I haven't seen it get picked up a lot, although it had lots of great interviews with people who have lost their shirts investing with wealth assistance on it. So yeah, to your point, he's done a great job on his SEO. His self-hype has been great. Um, The game behind the hype, not so much. And Parker, you and I are both like massive NBA heads, like follow basketball a lot. This is like the high draft pick that never worked. This is the Ben Simmons. (laughs) or or something worse maybe this is the this is the high draft pick that never works out or never even starts so yeah uh and we have on our wall right on our on the wall right behind us we have our company values among their among them is e-commerce is hard right um and we list that because all these gurus make it sound easy like it's easy passive money it you know there are some success stories like that of somebody just hitting the jackpot and going crazy but those are pretty rare and the stories of failures of people who tried to follow these kind of guru patterns are much more prevalent. And again, there's some really smart people who tap themselves as gurus out there that actually are really smart and know their shit. But this one, did all the, all the warning signs were out there of private jets, buying the Lambo, lavish lifestyle stuff, not much to show results of actual businesses. And lo and behold, it came out the way you thought it would come out on this.
1: 75 employees
0: too. Yeah. And I keep on going back to... He posted TikToks from his Lambo, from his Lamborghini. So like, that's what you're
1: supposed to do, right? That's rule number one of being a guru.
0: Yeah, you have to have a, you're to you not a guru unless you own a Lamborghini. So not making fun of you and your Lamborghini, Parker. <laughs> Gideon.
1: <laughs> right, I just, I don't post it on my TikTok.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not posting videos from my uh, 17-year-old Prius, by the way. So it's just not the same vibe. So what's the, the outcome the, for him here? Uh, there's going to be civil suits They're right now. They're talking through whether there is a basis to, uh, I think they're trying to figure out whether they can charge him with crimes or not with this, or he just, is he another business owner that ran a terrible business and went out of business? Right. Is it the, the debate on business insiders article was, Hey, is the fault with the people who got suckered into this? Or is the fault with Ryan Carroll, who is liable at the end of the day on this, uh, um, does
1: he have to return the Lambo? <laughs>
0: Because I'm saying now I want to follow up really bad. Right, on this like
1: one. we we uh joke about the gurus and stuff, but like if if he's not even getting punished, yeah, are we this are we the suckers? And
0: the, the story in Business Insider didn't have anything about the follow ups on it yet, right? It was more because they were still discovering how many people lost money on this one. That's that's where the process like there's actually it, it talked about there's a Discord group that's been created by all the people who have lost money so they're all trying to band together and figure out what they need to do and they're talking daily uh you know live real time so there's there's there the resistance is forming we'll see what happens with that okay, um i'm good on this one other thing yeah i think we're good on this one the other one and this crime's been going on for a while but there was a great report from Safewise about uh porch pirates and so since we deal with a lot of Everything we do is e-commerce and requires package delivery. Porch pirates are are a lively topic for us. Among that story from SafeWise, they did a big survey and it listed what are the worst cities, the worst metro areas for package theft in 2024. Guess what the number one was on the list? It wasn't Cedar Rapids, Iowa where we're based. We didn't even appear on the list. I would think New York. It was the home of Amazon. Seattle, Washington was the worst city for package theft. So lots of packages left out there. Some interesting stats there too. We don't need to dwell on it too long, but they estimated that 119 million packages were stolen last year. Up a little bit from their estimate of the prior year was 113 million. And uh, about three-fourths of the people in the 10 high-risk, so they listed what the 10, 10 highest-risk metros there. And 75% of the people they surveyed in those high-risk metros use some kind of deterrent, usually a porch camera or a doorbell camera. To document somebody coming and taking their packages now um we don't have in cedar rapids we don't have a lot of por- a lot of that theft so we don't have a lot of people with the porch cameras on um not the same kind of uh metro but yeah 75 percent of people they surveyed having uh porch cameras or some other form of deterrent that kind of sp- that seemed really high to me and I, maybe i'm just being innocent and don't realize how high the porch theft problem is
1: I think it's gotten re- the cameras have gotten really popular over the last couple of years, but I still would guess under 50%, not sixty plus.
0: Yeah. And in their survey, and you know, this is their survey, so it doesn't mean it's everybody, but people they surveyed, 76% of the people they surveyed say they had a package stolen in the last year. That's wild. Forty percent had more than one stolen, right? So that was much those stats were much higher than I expected on it. So
1: and the majority of these, the top ten lists that we're looking at here, like live in, you know, I'm, I go back to New York on it. There's the big city to where packages are just sitting outside, either like the apartment complex or just like sitting up against the door. And there's so many people walking by, like, that's where I would think this happens the most, not yeah, some of these more suburban spots.
0: I think New York city though, maybe because of like dormant and, and you know, apartment buildings where there's stuff where it's harder to get into where the package are delivered might be a little trickier. But yeah, the top ones were, it was Seattle was number one. Number two um, was Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, and so it looks a bit where there's not a lot of people living in high rises in an urban setting. Uh, might be part of the theme on that. And number three was San Diego. So nice, chill San Diego, third highest for package theft, though. Okay, and we're rounding out our crimes here. We have two more crime times to go through. One is uh, the other. So Amazon, we've talked about, we've done podcasts on this before. So Amazon... Has an own kind of elite internal crime busting team. It's their version of the Am- internal to Amazon FBI, basically, is what it is. Um, but they announced that they had busted a large group, a large international group called REC, R E K K. Uh, and they were advertising their services via Telegram. And the way that REC worked is you, as a user, REC would advertise the services. You would go to REC and say, I want to buy a new laptop, computer, or something, usually something fairly expensive. Uh, you buy it. You pay REC a fee, and then REC convinces Amazon that it's been returned, and you get refunded. So you're basically only out your fee to REC, and you come away with your laptop or whatever else. And that's how REC made their money. And in trying to figure out how they did it, what broke it was an Amazon employee finally came. I think they were suspicious, but an Amazon Fulfillment Center employee um, was basically getting bribed by REC to fake these returns. And they also they've also now busted um, they've also now found that Rec was using phishing attacks to get the login information from Amazon fulfillment center employees. And right now they're trying to figure out how many millions of dollars of products were basically stolen using this kind of scam. What's That's our take a lot. on that? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, and it's international. So I don't know how much was U.S. and outside the U.S., but it was there's it's at least millions of dollars of products. How big it goes? I'm betting it's tens of millions or hundreds of millions, perhaps, on this.
1: So even they've been at,
0: operating for a while,
1: I'm looking at the 2023 article, and they said, uh dating back to 2019, definitely over a hundred thousand orders.
0: Yeah, hundred thousand orders. And if you're ordering expensive laptops and things like that, because I don't think you do this if you're just ordering um, some lip balm, <laughs> right? You know, so I think you're doing this if you're doing expensive stuff on there,
1: right? Um, like the fifteen
0: thousand dollar jewelry. Yes, so it, it's it's high end items on this, and. Yeah, on one hand, like part of my take is, okay, this Amazon internal team that we we did a podcast on their internal team and one of the big busts they did out of, of, of people who are buying stuff off the back of trucks, basically, um, and how they busted a lot of uh, wholesalers on that and the gray market. But, you know, I don't know how effective that team is, but when they publicize a big bust like this, it feels like they're taking some action and making a mark on things. It took them four years to figure this out, though. Um, right, and this was their own employee, and and again, they did it by getting login credentials of Amazon employees and going in and faking returns. So they would say the, re- the product's been returned, send a refund, and the product was never returned. That's, that's basically how it worked. So they either they would either get login credentials and fake it that way, just go in the Amazon system and mark them as returned and refund the money. Or they would bribe somebody at the Amazon Fulfillment Centers. I think the bigger theme here is, and the, I think the Amazon Fulfillment Center employee reaction is pay us more because they're um, notoriously Amazon Fulfillment Center employees because they're always threatening to strike and they're threatening to unionize because they don't feel they get compensated well enough. And I think this is this is part of that vulnerability maybe.
1: Right. So, I mean, at least we know the answer there.
0: Yeah. The last one. So, one last crime we're going to talk about here. Uh, and this is, uh, the ongoing, uh, battle between Sheen and Timu. Um, and this, in this case, so back in July, they were all suing each other and then they they jointly decided to drop all the cases in October and try and live peacefully. Uh, and now, uh, Timu has sued Sheen again on this. And, uh, The complaint, if you can look it online, maybe we can put a note, we'll put a link in the show notes maybe on it. The the 100-page legal complaint is available for viewing, and it is like mafia-level, organized crime-level stuff that they're being accused of here. And it's all alleged at this point, right? But it was, um, and they use the words mafia-style tactics, and there are claims of false imprisonment, like Sheen grabbing Timu sellers. And forcing them to come to Sheen's offices and then locking them in the offices for 10 or 12 hours, taking their phones, you know, going through and taking all the data off their phones, making them sign contracts saying they will not sell anymore on Timu before they get released. There's a lot of crazy stuff that's being accused of in there. And this is all happening outside the U.S. So it's not within kind of U.S. laws. But there's, I mean, Parker, I think your, your reaction was, how are people not going to jail over this already, right?
1: Right. Do we think this is primarily in china
0: my uh my belief is that it probably is mainly happening within china but i don't know because it could be happening in other because the sellers for uh shane right. and Timu are mainly in china but they're also in other pacific rim kind of countries right, as well.
1: right yeah similar to these other crimes of i'm waiting to hear the outcomes of like obviously on ai i don't know what to do on that one but the guru, the porch pirates, uh, wreck with Amazon, and these of how do we not know like criminal charges yet? Yeah, I get they're fresh, but
0: there's wild stuff. Well, porch pirates are getting kind of caught one by one by, by, you know, dragons right, right, and right. things like that. So those are, but, but these big ones, like the one, uh, the wealth assistance, and then this, um, yeah, these are. These are big crimes, and if they're if they're doing any of this stuff, even half the stuff that was in that document, um, that makes Sheen seem like a really evil company. <laughs> if they were doing, and who knows, I we don't know if they're if this is just like a play, a competitive play, and they're trying to, put they're trying to put a black cloud over each other or whatever else. But if even half the stuff in that is true, these are pretty. This is a pretty awful company, <laughs> and the way they yeah, operate.
1: Oopsies. It.
0: Oops. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry for kidnapping you and then threatening not to release you and threatening to wreck your family finances unless you agree to only sell on our platform um, noteworthy on this tying this all back to kind of amazon trying to crack down on crimes both of these platforms and the selling on them really jumped up when amazon or after amazon started their crackdown on bad behavior so in 2021 amazon decided to do a massive crackdown on fake reviews and that resulted in it wasn't just chinese brands they got caught up in that but it was a lot of chinese brands so um, other articles list that there were over 3,000, or Amazon says there's over 3,000 Chinese sellers they closed in their reviews crackdown. And that basically cut 600 different Chinese brands off who all their sellers got knocked out. And Amazon just said these products are so tainted with bad reviews and obviously fake reviews that we're just not going to allow them to be sold anymore. And that's that what birthed the rise of, or you know, the growth that we've seen with Sheen and Timu is they're just looking for other places to sell now. So it's kind of the, the all of Amazon's actions to get cleaner, and reduce the crime. We're just kind of seeing the crime move to other, other places. Yeah.
1: Won't happen again. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Won't do it. We're just going to start kidnapping people. Um, and so, but the, there is an impact on us because one of the other things that we want to talk about for December is that we've seen, and we've really seen this over Q4 since, since October really. Right. um, And we've noted it, and then we've met with a lot of, and seen reports, anecdotal reports from a lot of other sellers saying, hey, uh, in trying to crack down on this stuff, because Amazon ratcheted up its AI sensitivity to customer complaints, to what it thinks are bad reviews, to anything that it thinks is off a little bit. And we saw, and others have as well, a big wave of kind of suspensions on products that are legit products, that are good products that are being sold the right way. But there's a lot of things getting caught up as a false positive right now too, just because Amazon's trying to ratchet up the sensitivity. And what we also discovered, because Parker, you were fighting some of these cases through there, and Rachel on our team has been fighting a, even more of these, is that the process to get something that's been suspended, reinstated, got much more difficult over the last couple months.
1: They want social security number, they want blood tests, your firstborn child, and then they're still going to say, oh, nope, Can't reinstate you.
0: Yeah, and we've been through one product where, um, yeah, we had to prove that we were, and it's a product that is made in China, right? We had to prove that we were actually the the manuf like we were the brand. And so it was being sent directly because Amazon's first, there were some complaints that it wasn't working right or that uh, people didn't know how to use it. And then uh, Amazon's, we finally figured out all of their uh, problems, or not all their problems, but the big source of their problems was they thought that we were, Getting it from somebody else that we were kind of getting on the gray market, and they thought it was a gray market product, and that's what they're trying to crack down on. On it, so we've been through with that, and that's a high volume. That's a it's a product that sells a, a lot, um, and we've been through. I think we're now on appeal number eight on that one, and each time they keep on saying uh, you're missing some information. And then we'll ask what information is missing. And they'll say, go back to our original request. Their original request is very vague and a couple sentences long. And the appeals we're submitting it's, are it's like 16-page re- appeals, right? And so it's, well, can you be more specific in what information we're missing? And it's really, uh, I think they're going through with a guilty, a much much more of a guilty into proven innocent when a product gets suspended right now. And it's much harder to recover off of them. And there was an Amazon post that, I, think, I don't know if Parker, it was you or somebody else put it on our Slack that talked about it was a guy saying he sells $14 million a year on Amazon. $7 million is in one SKU. And that SKU peaks around Valentine's Day. And he just got suspended and is going through this process and doesn't think he'll be able to get it back in time for Valentine's Day. Nope.
1: Right now. I was going to say, see you in a month or two.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's talking about, does he have to shut down his business now? And it was, and what he says is there was only one complaint. Now we got to take his word for that, but. Who knows? There may have been more, but he was saying there was only one complaint that shut it down. We've also seen a rise in what we think is bad behavior because now you can attack other people's listings by filing some buying a product, listing a fake, listing a complaint, or filing a complaint about it, and hope they get suspended. We've seen we haven't seen that hit the things we work on very much, um, but there's lots of growing stories about there about that being kind of a new gray hat blackout hat, or that's a black hat tactic, right? Filing complaints and trying to get your competitors' product suspended, especially right before major selling holidays Nothing yeah but fun.
1: uh better be knocking over there <laughs> yeah. nobody please do that to us
0: <laughs> yes uh if, yeah if you're if you're a black hat listening to this please forget the last part of that and don't don't look at our products on it but yeah we just listed that it's kind of drive-by shootings collateral damage where some of the the because the 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 violence and the crime has gone up now we're getting we're getting some innocent parties getting caught up in this um Let's also talk about. Um, I don't know. I don't have much to say about, it, but Zulily shut down, um, and that's a major e-commerce seller. Um, again, Zulily was mainly children's apparel, um, and they made a lot of a lot of talk about fighting Amazon and being the ones that could win against Amazon. For years, they also spent a god awful lot of money. They were buying stadium rights and things like that, like sponsoring stadiums, um, sponsoring sports teams, and things like that. What do we think this is the impact of this? We think this is Zulily's claiming is because Amazon's unfair and Amazon has a monopoly and Amazon should be shut down. That's Zulily's kind of take on it. My take looking at it though was you guys spent a lot of foolish money and kind of drained your own, you drained your own cash reserve by doing like, I don't know if you're doing kids clothing while you're sponsoring sports teams and spending huge sums of money doing that. And it seemed like, you know,
1: right. That's essentially the Lambo of the guru.
0: Yeah, that's the Lambo of the startup, right? I'm a, I'm a, and they viewed themselves as a, as a Seattle based kind of e com startup rather than, hey, I'm a retail business, right? Because being a retail business is not cool, but being a software startup is. And so they positioned themselves as, no, we're a software startup. And I think to me, part of this was if you're a retail business selling product, you don't operate, the, you don't scale the same way a software startup scales. Where a software startup can lose a lot of money, lose a ton of money for years, but once you start moving the product and getting subscriptions on it, you can skyrocket up because all your costs have already incurred. Your incremental cost of a sale is tiny at that point, so everything is everything is profit at that point. Where if you're doing physical products in retail, you don't ever get to that mode. We saw Peloton go down this way. Um, you know they're still around, but we saw Peloton really, you know crash and have to recover. We saw a bunch of other of these big and I think Zulily is just down the same pattern of they started managing their books and managing their expenses like they were a software company because that's the way they talked. And they are, they are they're a physical product company and, and every sale has a cost of goods and I don't think they ever kind of started thinking about it the right way.
1: Timu's already hopped on and they may have been doing this before, but they have the first 12 ad results on the search term Zulily Oh, so Timu's all over Zulily now. Okay. Yeah. Do we know that they weren't kidnapping Zulily? <laughs> <laughs> maybe we don't have any proof. I'm saying maybe
0: maybe that's the, that was their first target in their mafia warfare. So maybe this should have been the Timu Sheen and Zulily. Uh, you know, three gangs, the three gangs of apparel trying to kill each other off. Goodness. Um, also noting, because we want to talk about Christmas results a little bit, but but part of the um, there's been. A very rare thing happened, and that's that Amazon reduced some fees, um, and they reduced it for apparel, and uh, and um, and as background, kind of Amazon charges. Amazon takes fifteen percent of every sale. That's how they make their money, and for apparel, that moved up to seventeen percent uh, a couple years ago, maybe twenty nineteen, and that's because apparel has higher returns and higher inventory costs and higher fulfillment costs, and so they moved to seventeen, which is probably more reflective of what it actually cost them to move and store that product, but. They announced that starting in January, so it starts now, um, they're dropping that down. And thank you, Shelby, for highlighting the notes so I don't stall while I try and find them on our, on our discussion guide here. But they moved it down starting in January. So it's live now as we're recording this. We're recording this on January 5th. Um, but apparel that's under 15 bucks, the fee is now only 5%. So down from 17 to 5%. And if it's between 15 and $20, the fee is now down to 10%. And I think it didn't, they didn't say, it, but I'm assuming if it's over 20 bucks, it's still the old 17%. But that seems like a direct reaction to, I'm getting a little worried about Sheen and I'm going to make my platform better for sellers. Because what you go to Sheen, you try and buy, you can buy jeans for 15 bucks on Sheen, right? I think it's a lot of things that are under 15, under 20 is where Sheen really makes this money. But do you think, I mean, am I wrong thinking that's a, that's a reaction to, that's Amazon reacting to, okay, now we're a little worried about Sheen and Timu? I think it,
1: I think it's that as well as promoting their merch-on-demand program because those are the only apparel on amazon that are able to afford those rates are the merch-on-demand products so we've got an apparel brand that we work with and we're like hey like we can't necessarily compete with the merch-on-demand pricing we've got higher quality Mm -hmm. but now the merch on demand was already getting a deal because they're going through Amazon to have their T-shirt made on demand, and then they're getting better discounts on it now too.
0: I haven't thought about the merch on demand piece of this, and 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 I can look at the pricing. Do they come in under twenty bucks in a lot of the merch on demand? It yeah, to be they're, under all 20 bucks like,
1: they're all like fourteen ninety nine.
0: Yeah, because and my kids, this is this is the this is where I go to merch on demand. Is my kids oftentimes put on their wish list for Christmas like these weird retro T-shirts? like Owen, my, my youngest probably shouldn't name my kids on this, but, but he wanted a, a retro, he wanted a Miami vice t-shirt that was retro. Like it, like the show when it came out back in the day. Right. Um, he wasn't even born. He wasn't even close to born at that point, but that's (laughs) what he wanted. And I was trying to figure out where to find it, but there was on merch on demand. Like that's where I found it. I found it on Amazon where they had a bunch of designs from the original TV show. Right. Um, so we got that and I don't know why he wanted that. I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. about half the stuff he wants, but um, made him happy. <laughs> but I found it. Do
1: there. we respect his taste in it? Like did he learn it from you or
0: do we need to question? It was it it looked good on him. It was a good it was a good look. It was just enough of that interesting, hey, that's different, nobody else has that, that it worked. It actually worked pretty well for him. So he he won on that one. Um okay. Let's talk about, and, and my wife goes there to get Post Malone t-shirts because my wife's a Post Malone fanatic. So anything Post Malone, <laughs> she'll get. So she so that's our other activity there. And the less we talk about that, the less we encourage her on that, the better. Um, let's talk about Christmas because we had, Christmas happened. Um, we can't do a December recap without talking about, we don't have a ton of insight. We don't have a ton of additional detail other than um there were $221 billion in online sales. This came out of Adobe Marketing's report. They've kind of become the default go-to that everybody quotes on this. That was up 4.9% versus uh, last year. And this is the November start of November to end of December holiday season is the way they're defining it. So plus, plus 5% basically. That higher or lower than you expected going in? Without any prior
1: knowledge, I guess it just sounds about right.
0: Yeah, that sounded about right to me. Shelby, what was your take? Was that, we're doing the, let's call on Shelby right, and, and surprise her and see what she responds with. But 5% rise in holiday sales online, was it higher or lower than expectations?
1: I mean, unsurprising. I think it's only going to get more and more prevalent. Online shopping is not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, I thought it had to grow because it's taking from brick and mortar retail. So brick and mortar retail, um, you know, a lot of that growth comes out of there. But interesting was the uh, so the turkey five the big days there were up so it was more di- so it was more discount oriented and the say, the selling patterns were more clumped over the big sales holidays so um, those days from Thanksgiving to Cyber Monday those five days there that was up seven point eight percent November was up six December year over year was up three point seven so it started the season started off hot right um, and also in that report the thing I found most interesting in that report well two things one was that Uh, discounts were much steeper. And this is not just the Adobe marketing report, but a bunch of others have the same, have the same thing, right? That discounts were steeper this year and last year. So there was a lot of discount driven selling. Uh, It wasn't, they were very firm to say that, Hey, this increase of 5% was not because people raised their prices. Prices were actually lower this year than last year. So overall prices were down 5% and discounting was up quite a bit. And we've kind of seen that. So, you know, prices online, And prices in the rest of the economy, there's a lot of, you know, comments about inflation and fuel costs and food costs. But online, if you're buying there, the average price for goods is down, was down 5% versus prior December. And that marks that, so prices have been lower online month over the prior year for well over a year now. And so I think we're just seeing uh, it's a more competitive market online. Uh, There's less friction. And that's been driving price down. But we we discounted more too. So I can't say this feels wrong at all. We discounted more among the brands that we represent this holiday as well, right, Parker?
1: Yeah, the majority was up. Yeah, it so, was I, all ahead. trending up. I was just going to say, do we have a do we have any stats on the number of units moved this year versus last oh, year? Oh, it's a whole in the. I month? didn't.
0: I didn't put it in the notes. It's in. It's in the. It's in the Adobe link because the Adobe. So we're assuming. Yeah, we're
1: assuming that's more than five percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was more units. Unit sales were up higher than that, and total dollar sales were up 4.9%. The other note in there was buy now, pay later was up 14%, so up to $16 billion. Um, That's doing a couple things. That's that's here to stay now. That's going to be bigger every year. Um, Walmart at the same time, so kind of transitioning to something else, Walmart at their self-checkout now is putting in buy now, pay later options at the physical retail stores. And what do y'all think about that? I mean that's the first time I've seen buy now pay later in a physical store at self check like self check like that that's Walmart swinging big on this.
1: Yeah, I when I think about it, I guess I'm not that surprised. First reading the headline, I had to get used to it for a second because it's just like not in my nature of you leave the physical location without paying for it. But I mean, online's doing it.
0: Yeah. Online's doing, and it's interesting because Walmart's been in a big initiative to, to marry up their online and their physical stores. Right. And this is, and they've been doing a lot of things like putting kiosks in the store so you can go look at what's online if it's not on the shelf. So they've been doing a lot of these things. This was one of the bolder moves that direction that I've seen of like, we're actually going to put this buy now, pay later thing that happens online. We're going to put it in our store. And I think it's, it's only self checkout. You go through it. They, uh, you ask, they ask for some additional information. You have to get approved because this is technically a loan. And I can't remember if it's $100 or $140, but there's a minimum you have to buy into to get to it. I just found that pretty interesting because I did not expect that to come into, especially a self-checkout kind of environment at Walmart. What are other things? Let's. Talk. Oh, We should talk really quickly too about Amazon changed all of their uh, inventory and fulfillment policies and fees. And we had a whole big episode on this, episode 66. So if you want it in detail there, um, you can certainly get it there. The quick, try and do this in the, the quickest rundown possible, are the big things that were introduced was, was that there is now going to be a low inventory fee if you have under 28 days of inventory. Um, so you have to have under 28 days, both on a 30-day running basis and a 90-day running basis at the same time. They're going to put metrics on the dashboard. So you can see where you, in fact, there's already metrics up where you can find that. Um, that goes into effect in April. And the way it gets charged, if you're below 28 days on both the 30 and the 90 and you sell a product in there, Amazon's going to charge you an extra fee um, for the product. And they haven't released what those fees are, but they're going to charge you an extra fee to send that product out. And this is all FBA fulfillment. Um, So that's one to watch and that caused a lot of stir. There was a lot of rage around that. We've looked through most of the things we manage and there's Very few products that would ever come into play being under 28 days on both 30 day and 90 day. It's just something we need to manage so we don't incur those kind of penalties. Um, And Amazon's doing this because some people were sending in too little product, and they want to move product around to fulfillment centers to reduce the end that kind of last mile cost to get it delivered. And so this is their way of saying if you give us enough inventory and we can distribute it through the FCS correctly, you know, then you win. And if you don't and you make us send it longer, then we're gonna charge you for that. Storage fees a minor note that people got excited about, but it's really minor. So it's storage fees outside of Q4 are going to drop. So your standard storage fee right now is 87 cents per cubic foot, January through September. And then it's two forty for standard items, two dollars and forty cents in Q four. Um that's gonna go also in April when this this uh low inventory fee comes in, they're gonna drop that to seventy nine cents from eighty seven cents. So it's back at $0.87 cents now. It's January. It's going to go down to $0.79. Cents. In the grand scheme, though, we've ran through a bunch of P&Ls and simulated that. It doesn't make much of a difference in inventory costs uh, overall. Um, it sounds good because Amazon's reducing something. The bigger deal that got um, not as much attention is that Amazon's going to be charging a inbound placement service fee for everything you ship in. So every unit you ship in is now going to have a fee attached to it. They're going to, and this is then the averages were. I think they said for standard inbound, it's going to average around twenty-seven cents a unit, which which is a lot, right? Um, and then for large bulky inventory, it's going to be a hundred or not a hundred a dollar and fifty-eight cents is what Amazon has said is going to be the average. They're going to mitigate some of that two ways. There's two ways to mitigate. Where actually we, um, again, there was a lot of this was quiet. Then there was some rage about it. We actually think there's ways where we could win against this. They are going to, one way that helps and this mitigates is they're going to lower the outbound uh, delivery fee. So what you pay for fulfillment is going to drop by an average of $0.20 cents for standard packages, an average of $0.61 cents for large, bulky packages. But the other thing in there, and and we spent a lot of time on this talking through it, was if you follow Amazon's recommendation to send to multiple fulfillment centers instead of sending to one, they're going to discount that inbound placement fee. And they could discount it, they said, up to 100%. So On our numbers, I think, Parker, we were running through them saying, boy, if we can can get an average of like a 26 27% discount by sending it to multiple centers, we actually come out even on fulfillment costs. And so our plan is, yeah, we're going to follow Amazon's recommendations and see how much of a discount we can get. And, hey, we can get better than 27% on most of the P&Ls that we were running through there. We think we might be actually able to reduce overall fulfillment costs. Now, that might be... That might be pie in the sky. We might be being way too optimistic, but at least we were running the numbers through, you know, pretty detailed profit and loss statements that had you know individual costs by SKU broken out, and that's kind of where we came out on it. So there's a lot there. Uh, That goes into effect March one, by the way. So and then also in June, um, return fees are going to expand to more categories. Those were. Those have been in place for apparel for a long time, but high return rate products. And Amazon hasn't said what qualifies as a high return rate yet. But there's going to be a return fee going into place in some categories for that too. I try to get through that much quicker than our hour-long uh, deep dive into this, Parker. But what are the what are the highlights? Because there was just chaos when this first came out. It was Amazon sellers saying the world's ending. I don't think it's ending, but I think you got it. It's going to mean we got to manage inventory much more closely.
1: Right. Uh, per usual with the platform do what Amazon wants you to do and you sell more product and make more money.
0: And so you're just saying submit, submit to the overlords on this one, right? Es- essentially, right. <laughs>
1: oh, we want you to have inventory here. We don't want you to do this. Uh, all right. Like keep my listings live and don't overcharge me. And it's pretty much all it is at this point.
0: I got one comment back from our podcast and that of somebody saying, um, so you're just telling me to submit to the Borg is what you're telling me. And, Star Trek reference, I think, from way back. But like, yeah, basically on this one, if Amazon's saying, hey, split this shipment up and sent to three different fulfillment centers and we'll give you a big break on the inbound fee, you should do that. Uh you're gonna come out way ahead if you do that. So um yeah, so that's where that one came out. What other ones, Parker? Here we're there's a whole ton of other news here, but which one should we hit? What what are the highlights here of the things that are left? Mm -hmm. We're not gonna be able to get them all, but
1: I think I'm kinda good. We we've got a lot in this episode. Um, One thing I did want to touch on on something we already talked about is say you are a new seller. Amazon doesn't have your 30 day sales rate. You ship in 20, 30, 40, 50 units to start. Do we know when they start tracking and kind of get an idea for your 30 day and then kind of start charging you more if you don't hit that?
0: Yeah. And that's one of the main questions that that's one of the big questions that people seasonal products and then new products were some of the big questions. And I, and I think the other big question mark where you can get hurt more by that is if you are, are a reseller. So you know we, we work with brands that are selling their own products. If you're not in controlled listing, you're a you're a reseller. So you're trying to kind of, you know, you're you're trying to arbitrage the market a lot and come in and you know sell stuff that you found at discount. And you can resell on Amazon for less. That's going to be trickier because you're going to often hold some inventory up at Amazon that may be sitting there too long, or if the sales start flying, you may have too little. Um, so I think for resellers, this is a much more dangerous, um, path. The brands that we work with, you know, when we took them through, this is going to be probably tougher on resellers than the brands. They were just all happy about that. Right. Cause it means, you know, if some of them drop out of the market because profit drops out, they were all fine. But I think, yeah, there, there are some new products, seasonal products and reseller products are the ones that have a lot of question marks all around them. Um, the one I want to. I did want to bring up, um, I thought this was just interesting that uh, from, and this is holiday related too. so USPS drivers. um, Now, if you're following all the, if you follow like shipping and fulfillment information, like we do and get way too excited about new inventory reports being available, which I will admit I do. um, But Amazon cut new rates with USPS and UPS. And that meant a lot of shipments that used to have, uh, if you were doing FBM, for example, if you were sending, you'd send a lot more through UPS before, and now you're sending a lot more. You've shifted a lot of that shipments to USPS because USPS just has better rates now. And that meant that uh, all of a sudden you had U- USPS drivers who all of a sudden had a huge deluge of Amazon packages to deliver, like way more than they put in their trucks. And uh, that caused uh, – so we had U.S. Postal Service carriers threatening to quit, threatening to go on strike. We had a lot of action like that over December. And it was just—it was a lot to throw against them at one time. Uh, there was a, um, there was a story that was in—it was on MSN's where we saw it first, but it's also—it was from a local newspaper first about just saying, you know, the local post office told its carriers to prioritize Amazon packages, and chaos ensued because some of them were all sudden seeing their package logo up by five hundred percent, six hundred percent over the holidays, and it was just more than they can handle. So there was kind of a crash there, but also with that. You know, Parker, an Amazon truck hit your building over the holiday, right? I got an email
1: that the building was under attack. And the, <laughs> I'm just kidding. The structural, there was no structural damage. And there was just an Amazon truck. I think they happened to back into it.
0: Oh, it just backed. So it wasn't, they didn't just go full blown like 50 miles an no, hour flying into your building like not, YouTube. Not video, the movie right?
1: scene. Not they the just backed scene. up into it. Yep. Uh, there was there's, there's some damage. Uh, building's still intact though.
0: Now I also laugh on the driver stories. There was Amazon did put back in place, which I think is a good program they do. I thank my driver program where if you get delivered, you get a little alert saying your package delivered and you can thank your driver. And the drivers who got the most thank yous um, got cash bonuses from Amazon, which I thought was kind of cool. So it wasn't you, the user. You could you could press the button. You the user didn't give it, it was an, you got to tap into an Amazon fund and the ones who and they were doing it, you know, Daily basis, the ones who got the most thank yous on a daily basis or a monthly basis or whatever else, those ones got some cash bonuses. So that's cool. Um, we have USPS drivers threatening to quit or strike because they have a billion Amazon packages they have to deliver all of a sudden. And Amazon for their own drivers is doing the thank you program. So um, a nice little contract. Mm-hmm. And then one one tried to ram Parker's building and cause a domestic terror <laughs> threat, right?
1: I'll toss them a tip. They're probably having, going through it. Uh, another thing I wanted to call out was on uh, Instacart they opened up the ability for you to favorite drivers. And so you can say, Hey, I want this driver to deliver my groceries. And it's like, I wonder we go down the line and it's like, I want this Amazon driver to deliver it. And then you can get like the personal relationship or bank on them, not running into your building.
0: Perfect. That's all I got. (laughs) Shelby, anything else we should cover here before we sign off? I think we could talk for hours about the e-com world. We could talk for hours about it. We could talk about Venmo and Amazon. Amazon cutting off Venmo on January 10th. So if that's your main way of buying products on Amazon, you got to find a new way to pay. Um, but there's lots of other stuff. We could we could go on for hours about the other new stuff that we've been talking about, but we'll leave it at this because we're already running pretty long here. We'll be back next week with another podcast. We don't have a topic yet, so we'll figure out the topic for for the next one coming up. But thank you all for listening please subscribe or leave a review if you like the content and we will talk to you next week.